I think doctors and clinicians, they're good at explaining medical details, but they're sometimes not as good at giving reassurance about how the patient is, whether they're comfortable or not comfortable. And that's actually the bit that the relatives want to hear. They want to know that their loved one or their relative is being looked after and is comfortable and is not distressed. My name's Antonia Field-Smith. I'm a consultant in palliative medicine at West Middlesex University Hospital in Isleworth. Me and my colleague Louise, we developed a communication guide in our hospital to be used during COVID-19 because we heard the reports coming from Italy and other places around the world that there was going to be a lot of patients dying in quite a short space of time and we also knew that visitors weren't going to be allowed to come into the hospital. Um, So we wanted to use our skills to help staff to speak to families over the phone about their relative in hospital. So we're both palliative care consultants and we um, had been doing a lot of work in our own trust uh, about helping staff to have difficult conversations with patients um, and families about um, death and dying and also in particular uncertainty. We felt that we could build on the work that we'd already done by making a guide Um, So we then started pulling in other resources that we'd seen online. So, um, for example, uh, resources that come from America and also from Italy. And we looked at all these things and we just thought they're very long and they're not very easy for staff who don't have a lot of experience in, in these conversations, let alone over the phone. And... At the time, I've been having a conversation with my brother, who is very good at graphic design, and he was saying to me, what can I do to help in in the pandemic? So we sent him across our concepts and our boring word document, and he put it together into this infographic for us. With a pink, purple background, it's got lots of small mobile phones on it and and some quotes and a framework for phone conversations. And we didn't want it to be a script. We wanted it to be a framework for people to use because actually people need to use their own language and they need to sound genuine and honest. But when you're in that situation on the phone and obviously it's very upsetting for staff as well, you sometimes just, your your words go out of your head. So we wanted to put some phrases on there that people could use if they got stuck. And actually, in my experience in palliative care, I think people forgive you for stumbling over your words or saying something awkwardly. Actually, they just want you to be honest and they want you to show that you care. And I think it is harder over the phone. I think we're all learning about this at the moment, but you cannot read the same cues about people. You We often use pauses when we're communicating with people. If there's a silence, you don't know if that's because you've lost the line or whether they're very upset or you also don't know who else is with them so you have to think about that on the call. The other thing is it's very noisy in in medical wards you're often squashed into a corner standing on a phone you might be lucky to get a seat or you might be um, standing with a lot of other people at the nurse's station trying to make these calls and and then you're also wearing face masks, sometimes gowns or body suits. So the sounds are muffled. 
so all those things make it much more difficult and having something in front of the phone um, or in your mind or on your phone on your screen is just really helpful I can remember a situation where uh, a lady had come in having fallen at home and fractured something so she'd been quite unwell and she hadn't been able to go back to her own home so she hadn't seen her son at all who she's lived with for years and then she came into our hospital and she was very very unwell and we really weren't sure that she was going to survive and she was very confused and I remember the medical team was struggling with the whole situation and I went to see her and all she could talk about was her son so I went to phone him and I just remember standing in the middle of the ward and it was really really noisy and there was just loads and loads of buzzers going off and it was very hot and I'd only met this lady very briefly I was wearing on my masks and I had to make this phone call to the son and I, I really didn't know what he knew already I was assuming he was quite close to his mother but I, I wasn't sure so I phoned him and as I was phoning him I could see a copy of our guide in the corner of my eye so even though I'm a palliative care consultant I've also found myself referring to my own guide and I did all the introductions and and then the bit that you sometimes forget is first asking the person what they know before you launch into an explanation so it's helpful to have that and also when you've given all of that it's helpful to then say at the end how they are so this is how your mother is I've just been to see her she's not distressed she's not in pain and those sort of prompts come up on the guide what I found is that he was just very grateful that um, I was phoning with information and be able to give that kind of personal feedback that I'd been with his mother and she was okay and then we sort of moved on to talking about him coming in to see her and I think that was the bit we wanted to get across in the guide was this business of uncertainty and being able to relay uncertainty to patients and also to relatives because actually again that's about being honest and I think doctors in particular they they don't like that they like to be able to say give definites and say this is going to happen and doctors tend to be over optimistic and they tend to not want to upset people whereas actually we know that relatives uh, and patients they want honesty and also if someone is going to die in the vast majority of cases people would rather know and be prepared so we have this talk in palliative care about hoping for the best and preparing for the worst so we really hope people recover but it's uncertain and we want to prepare for the worst and we want to prepare you for what might happen I hope that um, the guide will be uh, used beyond Covid when we put out the the resource we had only designed for it to be used in our own trust and our own hospitals and then one of the um, staff at the trust put it on Twitter and it just seemed to sort of explode on Twitter. And I don't know if it was the timing of it or the fact that it looked interesting or whether it was just that it was a very current problem. So a lot of the medical community were finding these telephone conversations quite harrowing and quite difficult. So I think they were looking for something uh, like a hook. And this was very simple. It was colourful. It felt very positive. We really didn't expect it to have such a wide reach. So we were quite um, excited that not only were healthcare staff picking up on this guide, but also 
other members of the public, other professionals. So we had some interest from the prison service in using it. Social workers and other areas, because we were talking about managing uncertainty. And this is what all this pandemic has been about, has been about uncertainty. And Patrick isn't just about dying and, and the end of life. It's about an approach. And a lot of the skills that we learn, we can apply to other situations. So actually, what we're dealing with now is a lot of chronic disease. And a lot of it is managing symptoms and involving the family and those discussions about the future and what matters to the person. So that at the heart of palliative care is what matters to the individual and seeing the seeing the person behind the patient. And I think that's sometimes what gets lost in medicine now. A lot of it is on a conveyor belt and is task orientated. And I really hope that by some of the stories that we share and our experiences that that message will get across.